Welcome to the Jim and Sam podcast. Hey, hey, we've got a special double episode for you today. That's right. Two people I really love. Uh, first, we have the great and brilliant Neil deGrasse Tyson, and then the equally great Reggie Jackson. Yes, our old friend Neil deGrasse Tyson stopped by a few weeks ago, and we talked about space and uh, UFOs and all sorts of stuff. I asked some really great questions. Yes, yes, you are very smart. Almost as smart as him. Almost. And then, of course, we had the legendary Reggie Jackson in studio with us, promoting his new documentary on Amazon Prime. Which I loved, by the way. Yeah, it's great. And it was an honor to speak with him. He was one of my idols growing up. And he had those candy bars. Reggie bars. I loved Reggie bars. I want a Reggie bar right now. You should get some. Can't. I'm too fat. Maybe when I lose some weight. Check my website for dates. I have Bethlehem in the Wellmont Theater in May and Cleveland on April 21st and 22nd. Enjoy Neil deGrasse Tyson and Reggie Jackson. Here comes trouble. You invited me back. Yes. Neil deGrasse yeah, Tyson, of why, course. Why did you do that? The author of Starry Messenger, Comic Perspectives. Comic Perspectives? Cosmic Com- Perspective. On put, put Civilization. Put back in the word there. You can go to neildegrassetyson.com for all the info. The new book. You are a prolific uh, creator, I would say. No, it's if you keep thinking about the world mm-hmm. and just write it down. So it's so so it's not it's not that I'm a prolific writer. It's that I'm always thinking. You're a prolific thinker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see. Okay. Wanted to yeah. give us that. Still, still not taking away the compliment. I got you. No, but I think a lot. But I don't. I, it's not about anything important. I don't write it down. and It's not book worthy. Well, yeah. I mean, also, you, you would write a book about Kiss yeah. performing Black Diamond in 1974 yeah, over and over. Yeah. How bad I look naked that. in the mirror. Nobody wants to read that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think about big uh, uh, things that affect all of us, and also have the uh, base of knowledge to properly think about these things. A lot of us think about things so far out of our realm that it's that's, really not That's worth. a perceptive point. Thank you. Yes. Because uh, if you are, so here it is. When people think when they go to school, high school, college, they think oh, they're learning about topics. Mm-hmm. But a proper education is not simply that. That's an aspect of it. The most important aspect is you learn how to think. So if you encounter something you've never seen before, what goes on in your brain when you encounter it? For me, that's the true value of a good education, where you come out and the world looks different to you because you're thinking about the interplay of matter, motion, energy, people, institutions, love, hate, war, peace. All of this, they're not just topics. They're... they're, um, I was going to say a matrix, but that that has different imagery there. It's it's a tapestry. A tapestry of civilization. And so what I tried to do in the book was bring a cosmic perspective to everything that we care about in life. Yeah. There's a chapter on, uh, on, on, on life and death, truth and beauty, uh, on gender and identity. Whoa. Co- color oh, and boy. race. Whoa, we're going after the tough wait, wait. topic. Oh. Risk and reward. Gender and identity. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a, well, it's a moon, and, but it tells itself it's a planet. And wait, wait. <laughs> and and uh, also, uh, there's, there's a chapter on on meatarians and vegetarians. Ooh. So I went there. Yeah. So these are topics everyone digs their heels in. Yeah. And so all the, the book isn't handing you an opinion. It's revealing to you things you might not have thought of mm. if you are one of these people who say my opinion is right and your opinion is wrong, which is what the cesspool of social media is. You cannot post an opinion without people attacking you for having an opinion different from theirs. Mm-hmm. Not just saying, oh, that's an interesting other way. I view it this way. No, you get attacked. And I'm thinking, when did that, when, who started this? Do you under- I was on Twitter recently and somebody criticized my appearance. No. Yeah, they implied that I was not an attractive person. And it was oh yeah, no, hurtful. they're okay. No, no they're right. oh, that's yeah, different. They're, they're just, they, now these aren't opinions; these are facts. Okay, so that's different. <laughs> I have a space question. Oh sure. Um, you came to the right place, or yes. I came to the right place. Yes. We we talk a lot uh, on this show about the soft hair around a black hole and the information it stores. I would like do to you? know. Yes, we do. I'm very curious. Think about Travis. What type of information, <laughs> and how would we get it out? Yeah. So. There's an information paradox about the black hole where, black holes in general, yeah. where you have an object that has information about it, has structure, it looks like something, it's got uh, an inventory of atoms that comprise it, 
and then it goes down into a black hole, and the black hole is basically an exit from our universe because you can't interact with it. Mm -hmm. So the question is, did the universe lose information? And so this would and and but it's still kind of in our universe. Could it ever be recovered? And Stephen Hawking showed, which for me was like the discovery of the last decades. He showed that not only do black holes evaporate very slowly, the stuff that was in the black hole can come out, but it doesn't come straight out the way it came in. The gravitational field of the black hole has an energy density that spontaneously creates matter, equals mc squared. If you get enough concentration of energy, you can pop a new particle into existence. From the energy field outside of the event horizon, particles pop into existence. That subtracts the mass from the black hole, and if you take an inventory of those particles, it is the exact, it is the exact list of particles that it ate over its entire life. So it's all recoverable from the center of the black hole. But you don't necessarily know where it's gonna go. Right, no, no, so, so it's not in the same configuration, but the the, the matter yeah. is you, you recover the matter from the evaporating black hole. So that, 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 that blew my mind. And the, but there's no way to decipher. And that was Stephen what Hawking, you know, doing his thing. He that's just thought of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that's of it. that's Stephen Hawking. Like, oh yeah, yeah. That sounds right. That makes sense to me. Now yeah. I got something for you, a quick one. I Ooh. talk about it in the book on body and mind. Okay. Because we people say, well, let's go search for intelligent life in the universe, and you can ask, uh, I, are we intelligent? And the answer would be, of course, yes. But then you have to ask, says who? Oh. Who says we're intelligent? We do. We do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, what kind of what kind of contest is that? Right. All right. So, would we be viewed as intelligent by an alien species that we're in search of? We might be pond scum in comparison. And to I'll, what I'll, they're... I'll give you an example. So, what's the closest species to human beings genetically? I guess I would say crickets. Mm. <laughs> no, I would think. The, is it the ape? Yeah. No, the apes are a whole category yeah, yeah. of various kinds. Chimpanzees. But the chimpanzees. Thank okay. you. Thank you. <laughs> Look at you. All right. Yeah, yeah I, I did a paper on it. <laughs> so a chimpanzee, but it has 98 some plus percent identical DNA to humans. So if you have an ego, or if you're deeply religious, thinking that humans are a divine creation, you'll say to yourself, what a difference that 2% makes. Right. Because what does a smart chimp do? It can stack boxes and reach a banana. It can find the right stick to extract termites from a mouse. It can do a th rudimentary sure. sign language, maybe, okay? But we have philosophy and art and music and the James Webb Space Telescope. So what a difference that 2% makes. But I ask you, mm -hmm. suppose we found, maybe the difference between the James Webb Space Telescope and stacking boxes to reach a banana is as small as that 2%. Just, just ask yourself that. If that you'll say, no, it can't be. Come on, Tyson. It's a big thing. No, consider. Hear me out. Think of another species. Just invent one that's 2% farther along on that intelligence scale in the same way that we're 2% along from chimps. Because the smartest chimp does what our toddlers can do. So this new species, the smartest human would do what its toddlers can do. If they came to Earth and studied us, they'd comb the world. They'd find Stephen Hawking, roll him forward and say, this human is slightly smarter than the rest because he can do astrophysics calculations in his head like little alien Timmy over here who just came home from preschool. Oh, Timmy, what did you do? Oh, that's so cute. You derived the principles of calculus. Oh, put it on a magnet in the refrigerator door. Right. We, we cannot have a meaningful conversation with a chimp at all. Would these, quote, intelligent aliens, 2% us, be able to communicate with us because we are so low compared to them? But they dad. would still be, can make each other aware of each other, though. A chimp is aware of you, and yeah. he kind of affection for you, so they acknowledge so you. So you think, but go on. Yeah, no. I, I've, I've been hugged by a just, When they throw poop at you, it doesn't mean they love you. Just, just. <laughs> well, so I misinterpreted. Yeah, you misinterpreted I, I the misinterpreted. signals. I, I thought it was a gift, and you yeah. were sharing it, so I ate it like a... <laughs> But, uh, but but we're still aware of each other. Like an ant is not really aware of you. Like that you know of. When yeah, they bite you, like pretty. You never asked the ant. Yes, you, I have. You, you, oh, okay. That's I put, my I put on gloves with a bunch of ants on them, and they bit me. Yeah, yeah. So if you've ever visit a colony of fire ants, um, they clearly know you there because they 
bite the shit out of that you. is true and they do okay. build little infrastructure but theoretically if 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 an alien species were 10% smarter than us. Yeah, go to, t- forget 2%, right. 10%. That yeah. might sound like a small amount, but if there's But given 2%... What, the, what we are compared to chimps, right. what, they could have created Earth as a literal aquarium terrarium to put life forms for their own entertainment, and you would have no idea. That'd be awesome. So, back to your ant analogy, we've all, at least in elementary school, seen ant farms where, yeah. they, and and they're living in tubes, and they're busy moving to them. They look like they don't care you're there. Maybe they don't, but that's kind of interesting. We built a world that they live in that they can do everything they want to do, and they seem happy. Is that us on Earth prepared by aliens? All I'm saying, of any any species, I'm just saying... Don't be so quick to credit us with being intelligent as we look for, quote, other intelligent life in the it's universe. It's like that non-playable character theory that people think this is a simulation oh, and we're oh, all oh. non-playable characters in a game. Well, yeah, or or your character, yes, because you're, you're a character that believes it has free will. Right. Right, so you right. move about on, according to rules. Of right. all the UFO stories, because I know you're, you're, you're skeptical. None of them. I am too. <laughs> but, but no. <laughs> <laughs> has there been any? Because there been a few. None of them. But go on. Has there been any that you looked at and like, and it took you a minute where you went, wait a minute. Oh, okay, no. Like, what was the one that was closest to having you go, this could be very interesting, but then you went realized, okay, this is just a natural phenomenon. I'm going to rephrase the question. They're all interesting. But no, no, I'm, to yeah, no, I'm you. very serious. They're all interesting to convince. And you. we can no, hold on. Convince me of what? What I'm saying is they're all interesting and they should all be investigated. And I'm glad the Pentagon put put a little bit of cash into this because I don't want stuff coming from the sky that could harm me, be they from uh, 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 adversaries, geopolitical adversaries, or aliens. Definitely check them out. Now, some of them you can explain. Oh, it's an asteroid. It's a this. It's a re-entering... Spy balloon. Uh, uh, or a spy balloon yes. that we take out of the sky with a million dollar... We pop it yeah. with a million dollar <laughs> missile, crazy. right? Yeah. Okay, so or whatever the missile costs, whatever it was, yeah. it costs more, way more than a pin prick, yeah. right? So, so the objects we see that we can't explain, I just wow, I don't know what that is. Let's investigate further. As a scientist, the fact that I don't know what it is makes it intriguing to wanna to want to know. It doesn't then send me on an off-ramp and say, I don't know what it is, therefore it's intelligent aliens visiting from outer space that are investigating us. That is not my conclusion when I encounter something that I don't know or understand. This is what Europeans did when they came to Africa and saw Egypt, okay? The pyramids, all right? No one is giving Africa any kind of intellectual credit when you come from Europe because you're European and that's how Europeans think. And so they see the civilization far greater than their own that ever was at the time they discovered it, okay? And people are in denial to this day. You have people saying, oh, did the aliens build the pyramids? Really? No. Africans built the pyramids, all right? Is it that hard for you to embrace? Because you don't understand it and you're in denial of it, you will invoke aliens to explain what you can't understand. That is that is a weakness of analysis. No, no, my question is, is there- Sorry, what, I'm screaming at you. No, no, no. Am, I, am I, are you all okay? I Sorry. love it, I were, love were it. Were there Sorry. any, like the, when the military guys, uh, when, the, the, uh, the, when they thought they saw something they couldn't explain- They did see something they couldn't explain. But was there anything, was there ever one that you went, is that I know you don't be, like believe that they're here, but was there any? Was, which one got you the closest? I don't want to say I don't believe that they're here. They could be here. The evidence people are bringing forth to justify that claim, I find unconvincing. I think you're right. That, I, that, I that's too. what I'm saying. So, so ask yourself a different question. Ask yourself a different question. If aliens really were going to visit us, wait, 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 back up. The James Webb Space Telescope. You've seen the pictures. Yep. Sharp pictures across the universe. Not only those, sharp pictures nearby stars being born, birthed in the stellar nurseries of gas clouds, all right, right in front of our noses. All of this in the universe, and the telescope is parked a million miles from Earth. We're doing all of this. And really, the best picture you have of visiting aliens is a fuzzy tic-tac on a monochromatic screen taken in our own atmosphere? That's the best you've got? Come on. Come yeah. on. Thank you. Come on. Come on. Get, I love your- Get real. Get real. So you don't believe Avi Loeb uh, saw a- uh... Avi Loeb's a colleague of mine. Right, but um, do you, you don't believe his theory or you agree with his theory? 
I, I don't know what it is, but he said that the, what was it that he said made it seem to him like it was something. All, what he's saying, okay, uh, he stepped a little farther than most of us would in this in this uh, uh, in this space. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for lack of uh, sorry, sorry, that's the only word I can come up with. Um, he, what he says is, we should not rule out that this could be the acts of intelligent aliens. And, and when a scientist says that, everyone gravitates right. to it and it makes headlines. He's, of course, correct. You don't want to rule anything out. However, if you're going to rank the likelihood of something being aliens versus something else, I would put that it's a physical phenomenon that we don't yet understand, maybe even a new law of physics, before I would put that it's intelligent aliens visiting from outer space. You know why? Because I've said this before. We have si- how many? Six billion billion smartphones in the world. Wow. Six billion, each capable of high-resolution photographs and video. We are crowdsourcing any possible alien invasion that would unfold. Not only that, there's a million people at any given moment airborne with a window sitting right next to them. (laughs) I'm thinking if the mothership showed up, We'd have good images of it and not fuzzy monochromatic tic tacs in restricted naval airspace. I would take a picture. Yeah. Okay. Me too. So you'd have to ask why are the aliens only revealing themselves to Navy pilots and not anybody else who's <laughs> visiting the world? <laughs> Just ask yourself that. I mean, that. that's a great question. It is yeah. really no, no, a very that, good question. These are other questions I would ask. Another sure. thing find it on the web, <laughs> uh, on the interwebs. There's a website that tracks every single airplane. Yeah. At any given moment. And just watch at the beginning of the day as the airspace starts getting filled. And the earth is crisscrossed by countless airplanes 24-7. So all I'm saying is these aliens are would be odd. I, I think your biggest task is explaining why the aliens only reveal themselves that way. This works with other things like crop circles and, and things. Why did, are the crop circles only made when no one is looking? when no one has a camera available, right? And other sort of weird phenomenon. So it's the shy alien hypothesis. The shy alien. (laughs) Aliens come and only do stuff when nobody's looking. That's just a little weird, I think. I think you're right. Just between you and me. It is weird. So you're allowed to ask these other questions. How about on Google Maps? I can see the street you live on and the door that knocks on your, your, your house. But, and these are satellite images of the entire surface of the earth. And I, I don't see motherships. So in order for you to maintain the hypothesis that we're being actively visited, you would have to go conspiracy on me and say, all the actual evidence is being withheld. And they're scrubbing the images. You have to say that so that you can continue to believe what you want. Right. In yep. spite of the absence of evidence to support it. So that's, that's, how, that's how this... So as a scientist, you're intrigued by everything you don't understand. But the... The act of not understanding it is not licensed to then declare that you understand it. I think, uh, I think, uh, so the cosmic perspective, you know, believe it or not, is what makes these conversations with you, I think, so interesting because most of us are so, like you said, locked into an opinion, locked into being right, or we have this, like, in front of our face perspective. Most people, I think that you look at things from this way- You gotta step back. Way out here thing. Step back. And the opening quote of the book, let me see if I remember it. It's from an Apollo 14 astronaut. I opened- got Houston, the... we've got a problem. Uh, <laughs> no. Is that it? I don't think so, no, that was okay. Apollo 13. Okay. Yeah, that's, thank you, oh, it was okay. Apollo that's 13. Of course right? it was, Jim Lovell. He was Apollo 14. <laughs> Uh, by the way, Houston is the, for, for your Texas listeners, who surely already know this, Houston is the very first word of the first comments ever spoken from the moon. Um, huh. Oh, before he said uh, one small step for- Oh, that's when he left the lem, but- well, Houston, this what, is one small step. <laughs> Houston, tranquility base here. The eagle has landed. Ah. Yeah, so Houston. Did he say, he oh, claims he said one small step for a man- no, one he didn't say a man. Step. Just he one said same. man. He yeah, did he, screw up. Yeah, later on, you you put it in just to, <laughs> he patted to, a just, yeah, I understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have. Changed. He flubbed. You th- he flubbed. He made a mistake. He did. Dude, he the guy's on the moon. <laughs> yeah. You give him a. Th- <laughs> what would you have said? I would have done worse. Okay. I would have yeah. said the fucking moon. <laughs> <laughs> Look, mom. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Uh, so, but the quote from Apollo 14 to start. Yeah, well, yeah. So this is Edgar Mitchell. 
Uh, and he got into some <laughs> some new agey stuff yes. in his later days, uh, triggered by by his time on the moon. Yep. But here's a quote: "You develop an instant no, you develop an instant global consciousness, a people orientation, an intense dissatisfaction with the state of the world, and a compulsion to do something about it." From out there on the moon, international politics looks so petty. You want to grab a politician by the scruff of the neck and drag him a quarter million miles out and say, look at that, you son of a bitch. I love that. Because he says the B word. No. Yeah. <laughs> but you also, yeah. Oh, the B word. Oh, you can't say that on Sirius I don't XM. Say you don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. I don't want to hurt my brain. That's not allowed on Sirius XM. <laughs> so, so the point yes. is, yes, you can see the world from right in front of you. You can see it stratospherically, but to me, that's not even high think, up enough. But do you think there's anything? I mean, people are so, and we talk. This is what we do talk about all the time. It's like people there these these clo- these arguments that are happening. What you were talking about about social media and everything. Do you think that there is any way that you can get a larger group of people to think in that sort of? Let's take this. Yes, hundred steps. That's, back. that's why I wrote the book. Yeah. Called Starry Messenger: Cosmic Perspectives on Civilization. By the way, Starry Messenger. That comes from Galileo. His, I think it was his first book, 1609. He learned about the discovery of the telescope, just knew of it, and then built one himself better than any that had come before, and then looked up with it. By the way, you know what? It wasn't a called telescope at the time. It was called a spyglass. <laughs> just to show you what people were doing with sure. them. <laughs> yeah. What I'm doing yeah, with mine now. <laughs> yeah, what, what is the first thing yeah. you're doing with your... You know, for a while, New York City had the highest per capita ownership of telescopes. A lot of, of stargazers. Star, yeah. stargazers. Stargazers <laughs> in New York City. I don't know if that's still true, but that was that was a true fact. Wait, wait. Oh. So, so um, in the book, he reported his observations. That, like, Jupiter had objects orbiting around it, which meant Earth was not the center of all motion. You saw that the sun wasn't this perfect orb. It had spots on it, blemishes. That the moon had wasn't just this shiny orb, that it had craters and mountains and valleys. It was not pristine, perfect sphere. And so he called these, the book Starry Messenger, because these are, these are he called them messages, but it's really insights and knowledge coming to us from space that makes you rethink your place in the universe and your relationship to each other. Because at the time, he was up against the Catholic Church. That was all into Earth is in the center and and all of this. And he's one of his famous quotes, he has many, is, uh, the Bible tells you how to go to heaven, not how to heavens go. And I thought he could be a rap artist. <laughs> yeah. He also kept his mind on his money and his money on his mind. That's true. I, I, oh, both oh. can be attributed. <laughs> I have a, a, we only have you for another minute because of your schedule. But oh, I, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. Love you guys, by the way. We love, love you guys. Yeah, yeah. We have a, 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 I have a string theory question. Oh, um, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we, we joke about string theory all the time. Um, how big You're the one who thinks grasshoppers are close to us genetically. Okay, uh, crickets. Cr- oh, cr- excuse would, me, crickets. See, grasshoppers. I, I would be an uneducated fool. But crickets, I, I, <laughs> I got it wrong. Okay. Now I've heard different comparisons to how big a string is. Uh, if you blow up an atom, a string for a string to be the size of a tree, does an atom oh have gosh. to be the size of the universe or of our solar system? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Strings are Two very, very narrow. I I don't know the latest yeah. estimates <laughs> for them, but yeah, I would say. Somewhere between the size of the solar system and the universe. But can't you cut one in half? I don't know if you can. And if you did, I don't know the consequences. And I'm not responsible if you do. <laughs> okay. They say no, I can't put smallest. my name behind that. I, I cannot put my name behind <laughs> Yeah, there's string theorists. You've got plenty of good people, even local, like Brian Green. Maybe you've had him. Yeah. Uh, he's a good string theory guy. Um, so I look over, you know, over the fence and watch string theorists from a distance. Yeah. But they're trying to solve big questions about the universe that remain unsolved today. And he's not saying aliens did it, okay? Yep. <laughs> he's saying, you know, that general relativity, Einstein has a limit to it, and quantum physics may, does it or does it not have limits, but they don't work well in the same sandbox. So string theorists are attempting to marry those yep. two Link universes. Them. Right? You think that's lazy thinkers that go like, probably aliens, I guess? Yes. <laughs> it's due. Can you just think about it a little longer, please? Just... <laughs> when will we have quantum computing on our laptops? 
<laughs> Good question. I've been yeah. asking the guy at Best Buy. He has no I want to know. Yeah. Oh, by the way, by the way, uh, with regard to quantum computing, and if yeah. we're, we're short on time, yeah. we can end on this point because okay. I reference quantum computing in the book. Fabulous. In the chapter on gender and identity. Whoa. Okay. So, for example, yeah. we as humans, another shortcoming of the human mind is because uh, we're not. You know, we think we're smart, but. Actually, we're really only two percent smart. We're, we're kind of yeah. not yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. We don't think probabilistically about the world. We, we're not very good at that, even when we try. And an entire industry has risen up to exploit that failure of human thinking, and it's called casinos. <laughs> we have people rolling dice, and they throw the dice hard if they want a high number, and soft if they want to. <laughs> right? this, this is what goes on at casinos, all right? And the, and the casino owners just sitting behind the, 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 the one-way glass, you know, just taking it in. So, so, uh, and also like on a on a roulette table, you know, people bet on seven, and I'd look at it and say, "Why are you betting on seven so many times?" They say, it's due. I said, "How do you know?" Well, they show the previous rolls, and it hasn't gone up yet. It's not due. <laughs> right? This is not how that works. No. Uh, a fast story: that my physicist community, the American Physical Society, we're going to have an annual conference in San Diego. There's a hotel snafu. MGM Grand, back then MGM Marina, said, "We'll take you." We got a whole bunch of rooms, biggest hotel in the world at the time, and. So everyone moved to Vegas. At the end of the week, there was a headline. Physicists in town, lowest casino take ever. <laughs> it's not because they nude angles. It's that because we are trained in probability and statistics to overcome the shortcomings of our native brain wiring. And so we simply don't bet. We don't gamble. And we don't play the lottery. Here's, here's, you allow me one conspiracy theory sure. here in this room? I would love that. Of course. Okay, ready? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, do you know where revenue, state revenue goes from, from lo the lottery? By I, and large. I know, but he doesn't. Okay. Oh. Yeah, explain it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, basically to education. Right, okay. And that's how pe they can justify doing it. Oh, it's for education. Oh, for education. That's why I for do the it. children. Now, in K through 12, you do not learn probability and statistics. It's like an elective. Okay. Oh, I love where so you're going. So I see where I'm going here. So I it's think paying for itself. It's, it's intentionally left out of the curriculum because if they put it in, no one would play the lottery. Which means nobody would pay for school. Nobody would pay for school. The whole system would collapse. See, you're oh. underestimating how much people just like to gamble. I oh, think people would play so the lottery because they don't play necessarily because of statistics. They're just junkies. Keep, keep telling yourself that. See, that's the brain there convincing it itself. That's that okay. I don't gamble, but Rich Voss gambles. Do you know who Rich Voss is? No. Exactly. No. You must be familiar with comedy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he gambles, and gambling is just such a... By the way, in the book I say I gamble because it's fun. Uh, I, I take the money that I would have spent to dinner and theater. Frivolously. Okay. No, no, no just dinner and theater. <laughs> yes. And then I go, and I make sure it lasts as long as a dinner and theater would have lasted, and that's my entertainment for the night. Yeah. Okay, and they say, well, how much did you lose? No, I spent, you know, $100. A, a, you knew you what, had it, and that was it. Right. What, when you go to the theater and dinner, do I say, how much did you lose tonight? What do you splurge? No one asks you that. No. It's just part of it. What no. do you splurge on? What do you go like- Wait, wait, I, I, let me finish. We started sorry. this with, yeah, the, no, with, the, right. cube, right. with, the, with the quantum, quantum computing. computing. Yeah. Here's my point. Yes. You ready? Yes, I am. In the gender identity chapter, here's the point I make. Part of the shortcomings of our brain is that we are not good at thinking on a continuum- we have to put things in categories, in bins, so that we can understand it in our feeble primate brains. Mm -hmm. Even when we know it's on a continuum, we put them in bins, like hurricane strengths, all right? It is a continuous scale of, of wind speeds and, and barometric pressure, it's just continuous, but we have these arbitrary lines that are there so that if it's cat category three all day, it's not news. It goes up one mile an hour in wind speed, it goes to category four, that's breaking news in the Weather Channel. Hurricane Irma is now category four. Well, how about the time it went from low three to high three? You didn't even talk about it. Right, it's the so, same. Is that okay? All right. Distance, Just that, yeah. and then, no, no, and then the one mile an hour, you gonna make a, a federal case of that? No. Right. All right, so we, we have these issues about this, even if you're reporting a crime. Is the person black or white or Hispanic or Asian? What? 
We're gonna divide the entire spectrum of skin into four categories to report a crime? That's why I get picked up down the street and you don't, okay? Because people are giving four categories. Although we don't fit the same description at all. <laughs> all right, so because the category that, it's, uh, my point is, I think we are capable of these nuances. Yeah. Go walk into the hair color aisle of the pharmacy. Uh -huh. 200 hair color, that mostly marketed to women, all right? 200 hair color, each has a name, a different model modeling them. So what I think they should do is a, a crime is committed, they should show up a, a, a template and just give a scale of skin color and pick the skin color. You don't label it. You just right. give the, it lands here. One through 300. Exactly. It's Right, so I know you gotta, you gotta wrap this. So, watch this. Yeah. You know what a bit is in computing? Yes. What is it? It's a little thing in computing. Okay, fine. Yeah, you nailed it. It's, it's, it's so little, it's, it's called a bit. Right. Yeah, that's right. It's either a zero or a one. Right. Okay? <laughs> so that, that's very binary. Yeah. Okay? That's very binary. Yeah. Right. That's like, are you a boy or are you a girl? Right. That's our brain saying, it has to be one of these two. But you know what? A qubit is a quantum bit. Oh. It can be a zero. It can be a one. Or any combination of the two at any time, statistically. So it is not forced into either a zero and a one. So I asked myself, are we, is our gender expression, is it like qubits? Right. Sometimes you feel a little half girl, half boy. Right. 80% one, 20% the other. Okay, I feel that tonight. I will exit the front door dressed that way. Yes. Oh, but that upsets you. You know why it upsets you? Because your freaking brain is binary, and you're thinking you're either boy or girl. You got to be one, choose one, and pick the bathroom. It's like, dude, relax. Right. Right. And, and, and wait, do you want it to be a free country or not? Yeah. Somewhere I read, pursuit of happiness. And if I want to dress like a girl today instead of a boy, and I'm happy doing that, and you want to deny that from me, you are denying one of the founding principles of this country. Taking away your pursuit of happiness. Yes. Now you're going to say, oh, the chromosomes are X, Y, X, Z, blah, 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 blah. Is, the, is it the chromosomes you're looking at when you see someone who has makeup on and, ear, and earrings and longer hair and, 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 and that surgery to get bigger chest or the bigger boobs? Or the men, if they're too skinny, you go to the gym to get bigger muscles. Look at what we do. Right. To, to layer onto our outward appearance so that people will see us how we want them to see us. Yep. We do that every day of our lives. You're going to tell me. So in the gender identity um, chapter, I just explore the failure of the human brain to think on a spectrum. And if we did, it would be so natural, we would never have these issues we're having today. Welcome, Reggie Jackson. Star of the new documentary, Reggie, coming to Prime Video uh, on Friday. Now, uh, I, was, I was interested uh, when you started uh, at the beginning of the doc, you were talking about how you were uncomfortable making it because you weren't in control of it, right? That, that other people were controlling it. I'm sure that you've seen it by now. Are you happy with, with how it came out? Yeah. Not sure, huh? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Oh, so you are happy. You yeah. sounded a little bit hesitant. Um, I have reservations. I, I, I don't think that's the right word. Mm. You know, but... Uh, I probably would have done it a little bit differently. Is it just opening yourself up that you're that you have reservations about, or is it just the way the story is told? More so than either of those comments that you made, good comments. <clears throat> I wanted to share my success with the people that made it and I couldn't get them in what do you mean you couldn't get them in like you, you they weren't on board with I, you as much or, or or did you how much oh you mean people in you couldn't get them into the documentary yes oh yeah so I I didn't think it was fair for me to 
I guess, be involved in the successes without, uh, in the accomplishments, without the people that were important to make it happen. Who did you want to bring in that, that you were unable to get in? Um, <clears throat> I had additional family members that should have spoken. Um, there were a couple people in my life for 30, 40, 50 years that I thought impacted me, um, changed who I was, uh, made me, if, if I am considered successful, made me who I, made me, the best way, made me who I am today. Um, people that are continuing to try to, to help me get to where I want to get to and do the things to make change in life um, and impact lives that are more important than what I'll leave in my career, the changes that I can make in society and in underserved communities um, for minorities, um, for people that are on the range or from LBGTQ to, to um, other people that are impacted, that have need for support, that are considered um, minorities, uh, that don't get treat, don't get a fair shake. Uh, and there are people in helping me make those changes that I thought were important, that I think are important. And so I think the best way to say it is this is it's part of the story. Mm-hmm. And hopefully um, I'll be able to do something additional to add to, um, to give a broader perspective, scope of, um, you know, what I'm trying to do now in life and where I want to go and the people that are, you know, helping to make that happen. You're, you're, uh, it was so interesting to watch you kind of walk back and, because I've never heard you really talk about the, the old fights and the, the crazy things that went on in New York. Um, do you think Billy Martin was a good manager? Did you listen to the Stern interview? No. You, you missed something. Oh, no, I didn't. I, we can't. We're on the air. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, that would be really bad radio if we just put Howard on. <laughs> well, no, oh, you don't oh. like it? Uh, no, no, no. But I mean, while we're on the air, if we couldn't just play his oh, show. No, I got you. Okay. <laughs> I got you. People would think um, we're lazy. Might be better, though. <laughs> They'd be like, these guys are lazy. They're just playing Howard. And they're going to ask the same question. I, did you address that with Howard? I don't know. Tell me what you just asked. If if Billy Martin, because I know you guys had so many, I had two Billy Martin questions. One was, do you think he was a good manager? He wasn't batting you clean up. He wasn't doing certain things for whatever reason. Do you think he was a good manager? I wouldn't say it, it had much to do with me not batting clean up. I wouldn't want to say that. Um, Billy had issues. And, you know, I, you know, I never knew who he really was I tried to know um, he was part Portuguese never really admitted it um, middle name Martinez or Martin name Martinez that became Martin um, and he wanted to show me that he was the boss well you're the boss um, you know so you don't need to show me that so, I I never really got to know you, bro. I I, I kind of would thought that we would have been a good match. You were a scrappy manager, and um, I was a good player. Um, to be a, a great manager, you need to manage with twenty five. And, and Billy always got against somebody, whether it was Elliot Maddox or whether it was Ken Holtzman or whether it was Reggie Jackson, myself. Um, there was always somebody you wanted to show that you were boss. And 
Didn't make sense. Do you, what was the first? My other Billy Mark question. Yes, sir, what yes, was sir. the first indication, like when you when you went there, that oh, this is not going to be a good relationship. Like, what was the first thing that happened where you said this is going to this is going to be tough? Well, I had people telling me in spring training that he was going to show you and George that he was boss. Mm. Players. So they knew it was coming. Yeah. Do you think that was part of it, your relationship with uh, with George Steinbrenner? Because that's a yes, that's a big part of the doc. How close? Yeah, Billy wanted you guys really um, Joe Rudy or Bert Campanaris, and really, um, what the guy that got me to come to New York or got George to sign me was Thurman Munson. Wow, he said if you want to get a player, and make us make a difference, sign the big guy in Oakland, and those were his words. And Thurman, it was was it? In, you guys had like a bit of a volatile relationship, but was that overplayed in the media, or was it what we thought it was? I I, I don't know if it was overplayed. I I don't want to blame the media for anything. I'll take my blame and 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 getting involved in media and twisted comments and all that kind of stuff. Part of Thurman's getting pissed off was Thurman had a deal that if anybody else came in and made more than him, he would get the same. And that was the first rift that he had um, be before the rift that he and I had. Um, so there was a lot of things, um, you know, going on. Right. Um, Thurman was a great player. He probably handled the bat better than anybody that I played with. He could hit a line drive down the third base line and the next pitch hit a line drive down the right field line. And I hit in front of him, and and we had a lot of conversations about what he was going to do at home plate depending on what I could do with the relief pitcher coming in or the guy that was on the moon. So we, we had a, a real high-level conversation with offense uh, that I started, that we started... In, in, in Oakland with Bando and Rudy, uh, Rudy handled the bat well, and he could do a lot of things. Um, Thurman would say, well, if you hit this guy, I'm going to get a base hit the right, because if I miss, I'll advance the runner. Right. And so we, we had those kind of conversations in the bat, in the bat, in the, on deck circle. What do you think, uh, I mean, as somebody who's still as deeply involved in the game as you are, what do you think about the about the World Baseball Classic? I mean, we're seeing, you I think know, it's crazy. You do think it's crazy? Yeah. Why would you put Diaz in jeopardy, and you got a 162 game schedule coming? Yeah. And you're going to have a freak accident like that. We lost our best player for 12 weeks. Yeah. Altuve. Yeah, that's why I was. So what are we doing? I I, I don't really understand it. And I'm surprised that ownership allows it because the championship season is on you. Um, it's just not what you do. You know, that's this is, should be at the end of the season. Right, not not, to, not, not right now, as spring training. Yeah. You leave spring training and you, you get into spring training and after, in March 10th or 12th, you have players leaving. And your pitchers have pitched maybe two or three times, and so it's 30 pitches, 45, 60. Now they miss the 75, 90. Um, and you, you get over there on March the 15th, and you play a game against a, another country, and you got to get Otani out. You're going to reach back and get it, and you're not ready yet. Or you, you're getting ready for spring training, You've got 80 at-bats coming. You need 40 to get ready. So you're going to take it easy for a while, and you're not ready to extend yourself. And you're going to pull. You're going to pull up because you're going against another country, and you want to win the game for your country, and you extend yourself, and you're not ready. And and so it's it's... It puts players in jeopardy. Yeah. It puts the team in jeopardy and the... Now the championship season is impacted. Right. Who who was the the person that you had to face 
that you just you like I can't hit this guy. Was there anybody like everyone has like the the one guy who has their number? Who who did you feel had yours? <clears throat> there were times you had guys you couldn't hit, but there were times you hit everybody. And so you probably if for me if if I would say I'd have to go to the season because in September and October I hit everybody. Now, I don't know why, but it worked out that way. And during the season there were a couple of guys there was a guy named Mike Caldwell I didn't like hitting off him. I hit a couple home runs off him in in postseason though. But during the season I couldn't hit him. And there was a guy named Andy Hassler who was six five through about ninety five and he was wild and left handed. And sometimes he throw the ball behind you and and so I wasn't comfortable there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, Would he ever throw at you? That was ugly. Um he threw at you sometimes, but he didn't mean it. Oh, it was just you know, <laughs> it just happened. <laughs> he just got knocked. Yeah. <laughs> Did you uh uh I love an athlete that is confident, that is vocally confident, and then backs it all up on the field, right? Like, so nobody can say anything. And that's something that you were kind of fairly notorious for, right? Is your your confidence and the way you would tell people, look, I'm the I'm the best. Like and, and then you go out and you'd be the best. This confidence, is that something that was instilled in you from the beginning? Or did you just come to this realization at some point, oh man, I'm really good at this? Um I probably got my confidence from my dad because mm. he didn't accept excuses. Mm -hmm. um, I had an older brother that was pretty strict on, you know, things that I did around the house or whatever. So I think my confidence in in being able to do something came from my oldest brother and my dad. But it seemed like you held yourself to pretty high standards there. That when when that confidence didn't meet what your own expectations were, that you were pretty hard on yourself. Would you say that's the where where did the highest expectations come from? Was it the fact that you knew how much money you were making? Was it the fact that you've become this like famous athlete? Was it the fact that you simply felt like you should be the best? All ev everyone, yeah, um, including you guys here doing what you do today your measuring stick is the person that you see in the mirror the God-given skills that you've got is the guy in the mirror and so your chase for excellence mm -hmm. is who that guy is in the mirror and you know who you are and what you're capable of doing we all do and so you honor that so to honor your God that gave you your gifts, and that is your responsibility. So that was mine. Um, if leading the league, hitting 295 to 300 or something was the number, I should be able to lead the league. If leading the league with homers was around 40, I should be up there. If driving in 110 or 120 runs was what should I should be doing, and that led the league, I should lead the league. Right. I mean, so it. But if it was 150 or 160, that's not me. If it was 330 or 340, like Rod Carew hit, that's not me. Mm -hmm. But if it was the guy I looked at in the mirror, I need to be getting my fulfillment. We're getting my honoring my responsibility to the guy I'm looking at. I love the fact that you you did something I would have done if I were you, which was take baseballs and run into the other dugout and get them signed during the All Star game. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that you yes. did that, and I wanted to ask yeah. you too. There was a, a moment where Jackie Robinson in the '72 World Series was speaking, and you were there. Did you get to talk to him at all, or was it just yes. a quick hello? Yes. No. I, I you get to talk to him and and just whether it's in passing or whether he stands in a dugout. And I, I was always, I always wondered, you know, why he passed early. And, you know, with additional friends that I've had that had passed, whether it be 
Frank Robinson, Bob Gibson, Bill Russell, the guys that have left us, you know, recently, they're, they had things they wanted to say and were saddened, and I was saddened that they couldn't say them because they went with them and didn't voice themselves or complain or talk about it to get it off their chest because during the that era you know as as a colored person negro you kept you had to keep your mouth shut and so th- they learned that and it was i think it was painful to keep in you know fortunately um, my dad insisted on proper English. No, no, uh-huh, uh-uh. Mm, I ain't doing that. Um, none of that in in our household. Um, you know, he would talk about express, expressing yourself and speak English. So I learned that at an early age. And uh, so in, in I've always thought of you know, about Jackie that I wondered if it harmed his life because he had to keep so much in. Right. Yeah, kind of bottled up and affects your health. We have a limited time with you, unfortunately. Um, uh, You said you felt like uh, before you got a hood ornament when you were with the the Yankees at one point, Uh, which I thought was interesting. Like, I think you felt like you you were kind of like on for show and not getting as much substantive stuff done as you wanted to. Um, do you feel better now that you're with the Astros or did anything happen that changed that? Um, nothing happened to what nothing happened to change um, that being a hood or ornament with the Yankees. Um, I tried my best to communicate with um, the analytic analytics and the um, uh, uh, people there that you know, did the predictions and uh, the science of the game, which is an important piece, but it's not how the game's played. Um, your ass needs talent. <laughs> and if you don't have talent, the numbers don't look good. I feel like you're saying that to if, us, and yeah. you're right. <laughs> if, if, if Mickey Mantle is hitting fourth and Roger Myers is hitting third and Moose Gower and and you know your lineup looks like Jeter, Bernie Williams, Tino Martinez and Posada and all them you, your numbers look good yeah yeah you know, they won 114 one year and so with that like 125 114 and then 11 straight Man. four four and four that was not because of analytics that was because of the talent. Um, you can't figure out the game. You won't be able to figure out the game. But if you have talent with pitching and defense, then you're going to get there, and that's what's most important. Numbers will look real good if you got Judge hitting fourth or second. Well, the movie is Reggie. It premieres Friday on Prime Video. It is great. I mean, I, I watched it last night, and it was it's yeah, it's it just your story not only on the field, but but your story of your life and how much that you have lived through in terms of of how much you had to get through the the segregation and the racism and everything that you had to go through in the pros and everything, and then the fact that like you get to the end and you realize that you are working there's no finished with you you're working just as hard now and pushing to still get done the things that you want to get done and it's just a remarkable story i i I loved it i encourage everybody to go check it out and we appreciate you coming by and spending some time with us and it's on amazon by the way we should say where it is yeah you've been listening to sirius xm's jim norton and sam roberts new episodes every tuesday with full shows weekday mornings at 8 a.m eastern on SiriusXM channel 103. Visit SiriusXM.com slash Jim and Sam for a free three-month special offer.